0: welcome to a special episode of the stitch please podcast um, the podcast the official podcast of black women stitch with the sewing group where black lives matter i am as i always say for every single episode i am thrilled and delighted to be here this i believe is our first this is uh, this is not this is not my first zoom episode we did a great episode with black women stitch a two part episode just us doing a, our basic thursday night kiki when we get together and We sew and talk and stuff. So we did a session about that called Sis, I See You. That was our first two-part episode. This one is also special. So maybe whenever we use Zoom, if you see the Black Women Stitch podcast using Zoom, something amazing is about to happen because something amazing is about to happen right now. And that's because I am on the line with um, Kiana and Sarah from two amazing, I would say life-altering projects for people in the sewing and knitting communities. This is also my first opportunity to actually sit down and talk with a knitter, um, with someone from the Yarn Mission. So um, welcome, Kiana, from the Yarn Mission, and Sarah Mm -hmm. from the Social Justice Sewing Academy. Hello. All right, so they're waving. So here's the thing. As I was saying earlier, um, and you might have heard this on something from last week, is that this episode is going to be a special episode for Patreon patrons. We'll get a chance to see the video. I will upload the video of this Zoom call to our Patreon site. And if you are a patron, you get to see our amazing faces and T-shirts and accessories. Um, But if not, if if that's not something you can do, that's also fine. Um, Oh, she's got a really great shirt on. I would tell you what it says, but then I would like spoil it. Um, but it's, so this is a great opportunity to join, become a patron, a patron. It doesn't take a lot. You could, as little as $2 a month, every little bit helps. So, um, you will be seeing us, but for those of you all listening, thank you for coming in. And I just wanted to start with telling everyone what I believe the, what the yarn mission and the social justice sewing Academy mean to me personally. Um, for me, there are certain things, certain standards, certain, Um, aspects that if they had not happened, Black Women's Stitch would not exist. The Stitch Please podcast would not exist. If I had not gone to Tea with Queen and J's, which is a podcast I love, it's called Tea with Queen and J with um, Janicia and Naima. It's a wonderful womanist race nerd podcast. I would not have this podcast. Listening to them really helped to it was a balm to my spirit um, when I was hurting, when I was exhausted and overwhelmed by combating white supremacy in direct and indirect forms. They had such wisdom as well as humor to get me through. And it made me feel like I was talking, sitting around, talking with a bunch of girlfriends about the things that were important to me. Um, so they are essential. And in the wake of my own experiences um, with fighting racial, um, fighting white supremacy, and that was as an organizer um, on the ground in Charlottesville, Virginia, for the, what they call the Summer of Hate. Here in Charlottesville, we had a, a Klan rally or white supremacist rally every month the summer of 2017. We had a rally in May. There was a May 2017. There was a smaller rally in June. There was a big Klan rally in July. And then there was the deadly terrorist attack. Um, white supremacist rally in August, and I was there for the for two of them. I was there for the Klan and I was there for the white supremacist rally in August of 2017, and was on the site when that car drove through the crowd and killed two people and injured very many more. My husband and I were both there and narrowly escaped injury, and it was a difficult time. It was an absolutely difficult time that was compounded by. Apathy. It was compounded by a sewing community when I would go to do sewing because I wanted to relax or because I thought this was going to be something that would be good for me. It ended up being a site for more harm. Mm-hmm. And it was, it actually wasn't until I was, I was on a retreat with the whites. I called it Sewing with the Whites. I was on a retreat and um, I had already paid for the next event. I was at an event in the fall. And it was going to be another event in September, in in the spring. So I paid and sent my money in. But after I was at that, that retreat in the fall, people asked me how I was. And I was like, well, I'm not great. Like a white supremacist tried to kill me. I, we still have night terrors. It's not, I'm not great. I'm not great. And they were like, you know, no one contacted me. They weren't that interested in what was happening to me. Um, but after that retreat, I came home and a few weeks later, I found that my check for the spring event, had been returned to me. Uh, No note, no letter, just my check that I had paid for the spring event, which I was already hesitant about and feeling uneasy about anyway, was returned to me. No note, just here. Here's your money back. So it really does show how, how much I had gotten used to being... In that environment, I had gotten so used to the toxicity in that environment that I couldn't even imagine anything different. You know what I mean? I could not imagine anything different. Um, I would tell stories to my family about, oh, yeah, I was at this thing and somebody said, blah, 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 microaggression. I was at this thing and somebody asked me this racist question. I was at this, you know what I mean? And so it was very clear that... um, you know what it was? A friend has said this, and I wanted this might sound familiar to y'all. It says that Black people are, always, are often welcome in organizations as long as we behave a certain way. If we behave a certain way, we're okay. And she called it going from pet to threat. Mm, yeah. You start out as the pet. Oh, this is our colored girl. This is the one, this is the one we like. This is the one who doesn't question us. This isn't the one who makes us feel uncomfortable. This is the one who actually is the one that makes us feel like we're not racist because we talk to her. Mm -hmm. But then once you go from being that pet and if something happens and you seem to threaten what they think or believe in any way, then you can be driven out and punished. And so I decided after that, after heartbroken and just just feeling so... And then I was outraged and I was embarrassed. I was so embarrassed. I was like, who did these people think I was all this time? Who? I just had this vision of them telling everybody... I had this vision of somebody else calling them racist and them saying, no, 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 I'm not racist. I know this black lady and she's actually a professor and I, we, we sew together every year. You know what I mean? That was what I imagined them using me as their black friend or their credentials to prove that they're not racist. When I put all of that together and after I got past my, you know, shock and heartbreak and embarrassment, I said, no, no more. And it took me a while to get to where I am now. I first started, I wanted to do something anti-racist for activists. And then I was like, nope. What I really want is to be with other black women. That's it. I wanted to be, and I love, Kiana, you use this phrase in some of your meetups, anti-oppression, right? Mm-hmm. But I wanted to be black women. That is what I want. That is it. That is what I want. And I have, I have, have since I have started on that path, you all have been guiding lights. So when I mentioned earlier about Tea with Queen and Jay as my guiding lights, you two are my guiding lights. When I was heartbroken and frustrated, friends would write me and tell me about you two. They would tell me about, hey, have you heard of this thing called the Social Justice Sewing Academy? Have you heard of this thing called the Yarn Mission? They do Knitting for Black Liberation. Have you heard of them? And I'm like, no, no. So I'm reading and reading and just, it just made me feel like, oh my gosh, someone is doing this. This It's not just happening to me, right? There is an energy that really wants to center the concerns of black people, that wants to to center the concerns in your project, Sarah, of black and brown students and young people and issues of systemic racism and bigotry. Um, And so that was a long intro just for me to say, and I'm so glad to be able to tell you this in person via Zoom, and, on, and being having recorded on audio that I'm very grateful to you both for the work that you did because you have led me to this place. And this is our second birthday, our second year anniversary. And I really consider you all guiding lights for this program, for the Black Woman Stitch Project and giving me the courage to do what I needed to do and do what I wanted to do. So thank you both for that. Um, so thank you. I just want to say, hey, thank you. I love y'all. Amazing. We could, we could end the podcast right now. All I could do is just, just to say how much you, how amazing y'all are. Um, okay. But uh, Kiana, do you, do you want to get started telling us about the the yarn mission and how that got going for you? Yeah. Um, so uh,
1: the yarn mission started kind of like the beginning of 2015 was the first time a group of us like met. Uh, I would say that it kind of was conjured in uh, during the last several months of 2014. Um, when uh Mike Brown was murdered in Ferguson. Um in the organizing around that meetings, uh protests, demonstrations, all of that. Like I kind of just knit wherever I would go. Um it's a way that I ground in space. It just is what I do. And, you know, people would talk to me, other folks out in the streets, and i like, knitting looks like it could be really common. And, you know, that is, you know, a thing we think and something <laughs> I'm not going to shove in people's faces. But I'm like, well, <laughs> it's an important thing. It helps with grounding, you know, and people, but people were expressing um, an interest in learning. Right. Um, how to knit. And so some of us, we decided, well, Uh, Taylor especially and I decided that we wanted to get folks together Um, and Taylor is my co-founder she lives in St. Louis and she um, is like an amazing dreamer and doer it's like an, Mm an incredible combination and so like you don't you don't listen to Taylor talk about doing something and it not become something is how I feel. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, there was no not doing this once this idea was planted. Mm-hmm. And so I went and I got supplies and we met together and, um, I invited a few folks that we were with in the streets and I taught them all how to knit. And, uh, that was, it became this thing for, um, Us to share space outside of the streets. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, it gives space for that like dreaming, that creating, that grounding, that just like oh, yeah. sharing a different sort of space. It is rough being in the streets, you know? Like, that's what we're hearing from you. Um, and so that was really kind of where it started for us. And for me, knitting made sense, right? Like, I'll, I'll
0: tell y'all, because do either of you knit? I know how to knit. If someone said you have to knit to knit or die, I could pass on. Like, oh. But that hopefully no one will ever do that because I'm still I know how to do it. I'm just not a thousand percent sure I remember, but I do love knitting because it's portable. And I knit, I have a baby blanket I knit for my boys. So I have done the knitting. I know. You, um, how. We're covered in survival
1: skills anyways,
0: but like getting
1: obviously high up there. Right. Um, so, but I think it translates into a lot of our passions, right? Mm -hmm. Um, knitting gives us a way to finish something during this long work. Yeah. Yeah. It it pushes us to redefine what perfection is. It pushes us to redefine beauty and to own our place in that. It places us into modes of production that we are pushed out of, um, by these systems. It is, um, it also pushes us to say, I put a lot of work into this. I've been doing this for a long time. I've been upset. I've gone through all these feelings. I need to start over right? Like that is like a real thing that happens. And so the other thing is that like having these discussions, having discussions around black liberation and around cooperative economics and around, um, anti-black racism and white supremacy and patriarchy and transphobia, that all makes sense to do. Just even just talking about the knitting community. Yes. So by us being able to have these conversations in this space and linking it with um, obviously the other reasons why we came together, uh, I think it helps us to to kind of um, model the way that we can talk about it for other spaces, right? Like this is the same conversation we can have about sports and schools and workplaces. Like the knitting community isn't special in its ability to approach, all folks, um, throughout and like be really insistent in that. So, um, since then the yarn mission is in a few different places. It follows me where I go. I love to see it when it jumps to other folks. It's got to be centered in black folks. Um, it's got black folks leading and, um, conjuring it. Uh, but, um, it is this, I I like to think of it as a vehicle and I, I love that it, um, has inspired in
0: some ways i always appreciate you sharing thanks no it's wonderful it really is and i I love this 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 story of sitting in the meetings you know because you want to pay focused sustained attention and i feel like you can do that and knit you know like when i would do it i would just i take notes in a notebook i I would because you know no phones right so i take notes in a notebook i would you know anything I could do to make sure that I was just, I was paying attention and being present. Um, and, I, and I love that idea. Just basically having the knitting travel with you, um, which okay. is one of the things I love about knitting. That is something that you, I cannot haul this sewing machine to court. You know, if I'm going to court... So, you know, I'm doing like court watch or support and court support or whatever. I cannot haul this thing in there, but I can. Well, I don't know. Shit, I don't know if they even bring knitting needles in there. Anymore. Some of them are fishy about it, but you just told me like, these are knitting needles. are knitting needles. Sometimes it works, sometimes it don't. From yeah, my that's experience. true. And Sarah, how about you? I know that your, your origin story in some ways came out of a quilt that you made um, honoring Trayvon Martin. And the response that you had been... Now, you have a long career in um, in the sewing industry because you wrote a book when you were young. You taught sewing to kids when you were young. You're a published author. You've been in magazines. You had your own patterns. So you were in the sewing community. You were part of it. You were recognized. You had accolades. You know, you were like, you know, you were in it. But when you brought in the Trayvon Martin quilt, suddenly there was a I different... A threat. I moved from pet threat.
2: And I think that that Trayvon moment was really, I think, the defining moment when it's like, yes, while this world had, you know, supposedly welcomed me with w- open arms. Oh, I love I love yours, your, your cup.
0: Oh, my mug. Oh, OK. Well, I'll tell you all what my mug says. You've seen it before we've done the lives. I'm in Charlottesville, I'm sorry, I'm in Charlottesville Virginia, and my mug says, fuck your statue. Hey. And if you want to see anything else that we're talking about that's visual, you'll have to become a patron. So, yeah, chop, chop.
2: Uh, but no it was really I think that Trayvon was really when I was hit like with the blatant level of um, not only white supremacy but really like the threat to the threat to blackness that you know bringing your full self into this space brought yeah I think I I really realized of like it was more than tokenism it was more than them checking off diversity and inclusion it was really this isn't welcome this isn't what we want this space to become and I think since 2012 the sewing world with with groups such as Threads of Resistance and, like, so many people, you know, the Tiny Pricks Project. And like, since then, politics and quilting has become more popular. However, the origins of sewing and quilting in particular have always been, to some stance, political. Um, but I often think, you know, it's just, it's willful, it's willful ignorance at this point to, to have the argument of, oh, this doesn't belong in quilting, or, you know, this isn't appropriate, or, I mean, flying geese and double wedding rings are great, but, so are quotes with messages, just right. equally great.
0: That's right. And I think the thing that I always find that I find frustrating, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Why is black Lives seen as political? I think I because, think. yeah, I, I would
2: honestly say because, because honestly white fragility and the systems of whites, like they think it's by us saying black lives matter. That's taking, it's really a threat to their privilege. And I think, um, power and privilege it's the intersection of both of which they have and they feel by you know the world agreeing that black lives matter too they're giving away something but really they were given something based off the color of their skin tone it was like like imagine someone giving out you know gifts at christmas and, and every white kid gets five extra ones we're not you taking away one it's it's you're still that having literally gifts. what happens <laughs> it's just you were just given extra and we're just we're not trying to take away what you deserve we're just trying to Like, equify the field and like really just make it an equitable field. I think, you know, it's more than, and it's like, I think the threat to their humanity really shows the lack of learning in some of these communities. Mm you know like this cia came out with a you know an industry analyst the average quilter makes like what seventy four thousand dollars that's four types of sewing machines and it's typically 76 like there's a whole you know average quilter and i think as we can go deeper you know oftentimes quilters have stopped their education after they graduated And I think that speaks to a level of privilege in and of itself. I think being black in America is a state of always learning. Being black in America is a state of always being on edge. Being black in America is thinking how and where I enter. It's like we're always like, I don't know if anyone's ever read Hood Hood Feminism. That's a good book. I mean, it's on my list. You have to, you have to think of like, how am I going to enter? Am I a threat? Am I, you know, what do they want me to say? How do I, it's like, how, you have to always live, as you shared, Lisa, not trying to get my, my, my deposit revoked. I'm always trying to live in a space where it's like, I'm being palatable enough for these white people. Let me be extra articulate so that they, you know, they want to listen and talk with me. Right. Let me, not, you know. Wear something too loud, or let me not, you know, have colors in my hair this week because I don't want to. I want to be digestible so they can, you yeah. know, one, interact and you know, just build a relationship with me. It's always it's a, really a fact of double consciousness, as friends from on is, you know, like I, you just it's just it's twice as much work to be quote unquote seen as half as good in this white quilting industry.
0: That's right. That's right. Yeah, and I think and it's true that in Du Bois it was Du Bois with double consciousness. It's this constant seeing yourself through the eyes of others, and it's exhausting. It's exhausting. It's not healthy. And why should we have to do this? It doesn't, there's no point to it, you know, and I understand why people do it is so that you can, you know, that we can be, you know, employed and that we can kind of engage in all these different things. But it seems to me that any relationship that's built on me, not being my whole self, what kind of relationship is that? You know, An an exploitative one, yes, that is true. That is true. That is true. So what are some of the, um, what's some of, what forms of resistance have you met, um, Kiana when starting the, the, the knitting, um, the knitting? Pro- so if you all meet up at a group and that's one of the things that was, I was, I was so moved and in love with your project about, you say we are knitting for black liberation. We get a group of people together and we knit for black liberation. And that means what in your words? Like what knitting for Black Liberation means
1: mm-hmm. <clears throat> for especially um, in the beginning, it meant being able to like explicitly align ourselves, right? Because what we're saying is that people will purposely try to put our blackness into like this side category and be like, oh no, they'll really want to be a knitter first, right? Like they they just want to be in this space with us, and that's they're not like you know, and so like it they're was not like, they're not like the other blacks. Right. (laughs) Um, And so it was um, one of the things that I noted uh, in the beginning is that like, you know, as people who do like art in public people invade and just as black and brown bodies like people invade our space a lot right like our privacy is not really a thing and so and we like that we seem exotic to them and so they're like oh what are you doing and everything and it seems cordial until you actually are telling them what you're doing is where it's like this is you didn't come over here to just make conversation there's not this knitting community that you think you was one checking my credentials and two you thought that I would fit somewhere different you thought this would just be some comfort Comfortable space for you. And like, you don't get comfortable spaces. People are dying. People are losing liberty. So, um, being able to like, just be knitting at an airport and someone be like, Oh, what are you ma- What are you doing? I was like, Oh, I knit, you know, with the Our mission for black liberation. Um, and I'm working on a sweater, <laughs> you know, like, um, so it was just a really um, powerful thing to note, And for me, um, I've been like really, uh, dreaming and framing the ways that i think about things because uh there was two i uh, mentioned them on uh lady dye yarns uh podcast rebel with the cause oh, um, yeah. um <clears throat> that uh alexis Pauline gums who is like i know her she's awesome Yes. Yeah. Um, she's she a So, like, read everything she's ever done and follow all of her projects. And um, they just did this, uh, like, Black Feminism. Oh, Kabahi. Um, and,
0: Kabahi. and I think they are doing a reup of
1: that, right? It's, it's I on- think this one just ended for registration, but I would, like, follow it on every platform possible. I got in, but I, everyone <laughs> would need it. And because it's her stories and, like, her channeling that, like, really affects me and so she told a story she recounted um a dream that harriet tubman had and she woke up saying we are free and so now i recognize that like Depending on how you think about time, depending on how you just think about being, like we already have our liberation. People are trying to keep us from it, and so it is ours, and it is ours to have. What it exactly looks like and how we exactly um, live it. Um, one, I have resolved is kind of momentary, perhaps right now, because there are these obstacles and, um, we get to constantly like dream into it together. And so like, I'm about art spaces, um, that are like named a space, even though like you show up and knit with us, we're not like constantly going through queer black feminist theory or anything, you know, Right, right. we build a space around a value. That means that we can have that space to just let us feel what that looks like in ourselves. Yeah. It helps us dream it. And then, um, uh, also, um, Ricardo Levins Morales, he, um, had noted that like, he doesn't like the language of struggling and it's hard to separate because we're obviously doing hard work, right? Like we're, we're working yet. It is because, um, struggle makes it, it almost makes it seem indefinite that like, we're going to just keep in this, this fight, you know, and like, we're really on this path. And so like, I think about those things and I'm hearing that like, we hold this, even though we're not holding it. You
0: need visual for that, see? <laughs> yeah, we, do. we need a visual. So y'all, again, get on the Patreon so you can see what we're doing. Yep. There's some very good hand movements going on right now.
1: Yes. <laughs> so uh, I really, um, you know, and, but like being able to frame it around Black liberation helps me be really intentional about that. Like we're an anti-oppressive collective because we are firmly rooted in an intersectional framing of things, which means that I know that when black folks are free, we're all free. Yes. And I don't like, I can focus on where I am and in my place, because I know that my power analysis is legit and strong. Right. Um, and right. so uh, that's like, that's kind of where we are. It, so I feel like we started in a place of being able to have these discussions and, um, we quickly realized that like cooperative economics are really important to us. And so yeah. collective courage, um, by Jessica Nimhard Gordon is like a really great read.
0: Um, um, I w- I'm going to ask you to put this stuff in the chat so that I can, I can include it all in the show notes so people can find the thing, the readings that you're doing. And, um, and continue was there something else you wanted to add another oh, I was just going to say that that's kind of like a
1: big part of where we are now. um we like realize that our tenants are to be pro black pro rebellion and pro community, and we realize that a huge like our framing is in a cooperative collective thriving, and surviving mode um and so we've um really grown organically together in these ways.
0: So it's like you're acting like you're all like you're already there, like you already have it. I think that we can think of moments
1: where it's like we th- we get to like live our liberation in different ways, is what I call it. And so, like, I think we have these moments where we're like this space, like even though I recognize that we came to this space because of these oppressions, I also feel like in this space, we claim something for ourselves, you know, like this was already ours. And like, we got to like live it together, um, for these moments. So we had to be really, um, cognizant of how we did that um that's kind of like where my framing and like discussion of it is right now I just um I'm not a super like hopeful optimistic person kind of cynical and jaded (laughs) yet you know like I'm not I just don't I don't like giving away stuff all the time like that liberation is ours like we have that that is ours we will have it fully and
0: encompassingly that's like I'm not I don't want to Give it away. And one of the things I love about what you're saying, as well as, and this connects, this will connect to Sarah, um, I remember I was telling Sarah earlier about this project um, called Church of Black Feminist Thought, um, based out of Oakland. It's fantastic. And we, um, I participated in the month of June, and Alexis Pauline Gumbs was the focus. And um, what was the focus reading? And she had a quote that I wrote down and had never forgotten. Um, and I'm going to continue because it's such a great mantra. And it is freedom is not a secret. It is a practice. Oh, see. Freedom is not a secret. It is a practice. And it just reminds me that every single day when you're going, you're doing the work of your projects, what you are doing is, it's a practice. You know, you are breaking down things. You are, you are building something. You are dismantling something. You are this, these are something we have to practice. It's, I don't. Know, I just thought it was such a beautiful reminder. And um, I, have a, I had a, a friend, an organizer that I met a few years ago. And one of the things that she would do when she was trying to make a decision, she would say, does this feel like liberation? Mm. She would ask herself, does it feel like liberation? Does this feel like liberation? And if it didn't feel like liberation, she wouldn't do it. Right. And that's a pretty good, um, I don't know, rubric or whatever you use, whatever decision making tree you need to do to make choices or whatever flow chart you need to put something in in order to make to say yes or no. Um, Yeah. And Alexis is definitely about black women saying no to more things so we can get to better yeses. You're listening to Learning Liberation, a special second anniversary slash birthday episode for Black Women's Stitch. This is a three-way conversation between Lisa from Black Women's Stitch. Sarah Trail from the Social Justice Sewing Academy and Kiana Sewell from the Yarn Mission. When we come back, we'll continue this conversation about what it means to build a values-led organization um, and other things that have become so important for the structure of these amazing projects. Stay tuned. podcast is delighted to celebrate the second anniversary or birthday of Black Women's Stitch. If you, if, you, if you have been following the Black Women's Stitch page on Instagram, you know that there are a lot of birthday wishes that I have put down to help celebrate the milestone of our second anniversary. One of those wishes is a Patreon drive. Um, and Patreon is a peer-to-peer service. Um, it allows artists and creatives to be supported by the people who are appreciate their work. And for as little as $2 a month, your contribution can help sustain the Stitch Please podcast and the Black Women Stitch Project as a whole. My original goal for Patreon was to get 50 subscribers, and we have smashed that expectation. I am now trying to double that expectation, so the new goal is 100 Patreon subscribers, and guess where we are now? We are at 80. We are so close to 100. So if 20 people can give $2 a month or commit to $2 a month to Black Women's Stitch, we will hit double that 50, which is pretty cool considering I turned 50 this year and two of my birthday celebrations were canceled. So this is an opportunity to celebrate, celebrate two times, two times by taking that 50 from the original Patreon wish and turning it into 100. Um, thanks so much for considering considering this, Um, the Patreon link to Black Women Stitch is in the show notes, as well as other wishes, including the Amazon wish list for things that will help sustain the project and the podcast. Now, back to the special conversation with Sarah Trail from the Social Justice Sewing Academy and Kiana Sewell from the Yarn Mission. Thanks for listening. Um, Sarah, can we pivot to you to talk a bit about um, what you see in some of the results of the work that you produced, I know that you've had so many challenges. And I know you were saying, I think that you, that you, that you appreciated um, the phrase that I offer going from pet to threat. And I know you've seen that with the work of the kids. You put these gorgeous quilts together and you take them to a quilt show and some white lady loses her shit um, because it's a picture of Barack Obama or um quotes from the actual president of the United States that are racist. um, And they're all like, well, this is not appropriate. Let's take this down. Blah, blah, blah. How do you how do you manage that? And what kind of, I guess what kind of things have you experienced and how do you work past that? Um
2: I'd say really it's about censorship. And I think it's stemming again from a lot of white fragility in the quilt industry. And um examples being been at local quilt shows in the Bay where I mean even the Sacramento Guild, they're like, Oh, we want quotes by kids. We heard you guys had kid quotes. I said, Okay. I sent them the photos. They said, Oh, we didn't know that they had words and images. We don't want any of your kid quotes. And I was like, Okay, well, shouldn't have asked, but it's fine, you know, whatever. I think oftentimes I just brush it off. Not everyone's gonna like what you know these kids have to say, but it's okay. We're not gonna, you know, try to fight at a seat of a table that we're really not being invited to. Let's just do our own. That's I think CSA right. has intentionally, you know, built our own table in the sense that we have our own community, we have our own allies. Um, at this point, we've been in shows where again, you know, Brian's quote, blood, white, and blue with nooses, you know, a lot of people complained and you know, the show quote owner said, Hey, let's just take this quote down. And they like, go, okay, that's fine. However, I'm gonna let the community know what happened. And I'm sure that our community is gonna let you know, you know, how problematic that is. But we're not gonna fight it in the moment. It's always, you know, better to We'll just have the decorum to do it, you know, behind closed doors. You're not going to, we're appreciative to be there. You know, we do appreciate showing. We're not going to get the, the, the whole tub thrown out or the bath water thrown out with the baby or whatever that right, you whole know, right. thing is. Um, but I think really it's a, it's a call to bring in the community, to support these kids to be whiteness speaking to whiteness. The sense of these institutions are who's running them, who's leading them and who do yes. they cater to. Yeah. That needs to be speaking. It's like at this point, I'm very. I value my emotional labor. I value my time. Yeah. Um, and when these type of, you know, circumstances arise. I really have an amazing network in SJSA, you know, volunteers and just the community in general right. that will, will not only speak up, but stand up. I mean, see something, say something, do something. And I really think that they, they live that mantra.
0: Oh, that's great. That's great. So they can, I know that we've had this, um, I know that Ravelry had its own experience with um, with racism and that was, um, and, and this idea of Ravelry coming out to say, no, we don't, you know, we're going to ban Trump racism. And so people were applauding Ravelry for that, even as I believe there were some Black women who were involved early on who continued to get doxed and continue to have really harmful experiences from that fallout. And now I think Ravelry is still in some shit now because of their new website, right? Because of the, the, there's something with the new website. I thought um, that it wasn't accessible and that, I don't know, there's been some issues, but I mentioned, I mentioned Ravelry because it shows, it just shows. And I think that one of the things, one of the points I'd like to make is that all of these institutions that people believe to be neutral are only seen as neutral, is because whiteness renders itself invisible. You know, they see the sewing community as neutral. Who doesn't like to sew? Who doesn't like to quilt? Who doesn't like to knit? They see that as neutral. And they see black people being there, just being there, as some type of a political statement. And it goes back to what you were saying, Sarah, about white fragility. White fragility and white supremacy. Um, saying that these things are supposed to be a certain way. They're supposed to, um, when they look at their demographic research, and I saw some recently from Threads magazine that said, I think the average subscriber of their magazine was in their early 70s, like late 60s, early 70s. And I'm like, that's hard to build a future in that demographic if you want that to be something that's sustainable, you know? And so, I don't know, I just feel like, I personally got tired. I got tired of feeling like I had to hold my breath to wait for the other shoe to drop. Um, I got tired of feeling like I was, I don't know, pet what I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Feel like being like, I'm the individual, I'm the black friend to everybody in this damn guild, you know, their one black friend. Um, that these folks were clearly, and the more time I spent, the, the more I realized that they, they were not at all comfortable with a black peer, um, a black. Now, some of the things thing that really galled me was some of these people would send money to go on missions to black countries, <laughs> send money to go on missions to black countries. And I don't know if they had a black friend, uh, but they would lock their doors when driving through black neighborhoods in the city they lived in. Um, or they would think about Black people in America as lazy criminals, but they like the Black people that they could find across the world. It it was just, I, I really, one of the reasons I'm so passionate about it now is that I feel like I wasted so many years of my life with that bullshit, you know? And if I can help somebody to not have to do that, to show them that this is not what's up, You know, that you, that that there's nothing that they have that you can't have. These
1: are our arts. This is ours. Our history
0: is embedded in this. Our history is embedded in this, just like everything else in this country. Our work, our blood, our tears, our DNA, all of that is in here. And don't let them tell you otherwise, you know? And even though there's, it's so hard, I think, to see yourself in the, um, in the generalized sewing, quilting and knitting communities, it's hard to see a reflection of black folks there. You know, I I find it very difficult. If you put a, if you Google sewing, if you Google images for knitting and you Google images for quilting and you see a person, it's going to be a white person, you know, and Instagram as well, like pages upon pages, that which is unmarked is that which is white. And that is a form of white supremacy is that you make it like the, it's like carbon monoxide, you know. And then when you point it out, you say, hey, this is carbon monoxide. I think it's poisoning You They're like, no, no, no. It's just air. Why are you always bringing stuff like this up? Everybody was happy until you said something. Yep. You know, it's yep. always the, the. And I was just like so relieved to have created a space, to created a group, to create an opportunity where no one would have to do that. Mm -hmm. But there was no, where where we could all just be who we are. And we don't always agree on everything, of course, because we're different people and have different ways of doing things. But one thing you don't have to worry about is having someone say something horribly racist and then you have to just write it down so you can tell your friends later because you don't want to get into it and have a big battle. You know what I mean? So... So tell me what is next for you? What are you doing next, Kiana? What are you, so what is the next, well, what are you doing right now? And what is the next steps for you for Yarn Mission?
1: Um, so we, you know, we tired. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. like this is like, oh, there's just
0: so many layers. Money um, has been like a year. It feels like it's only been six months, but it's like every day has been a year.
1: Yeah. And a hard year, a hard year. And with still a bunch of people telling you it hasn't been that hard. So that then you can watch the next year talking about, Oh my goodness. Did you see what happened last year? <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I was telling you it was hard then. Are you sure? Cause I don't remember you saying nothing like I that. I think if you had said that, I think I would have registered it. I would have like,
1: totally. <laughs> so, you know, that is, uh, you know, how things are feeling. Um, I would say that like, we're constantly, My constant thing is like figuring out exactly the path we want to be on and making sure that we know who our people are. Um, So like black folks come to, if you'd like, uh, join us, send me an email, follow us, whatever. Um, And so uh, Andrea, who does wound care woman with an X, W-O-M-B care woman with an X, mxn she is um she does um spiritual services and consultations tarot reading type reiki and stuff um but also does um birth care um all forms and very inclusive but centering um black folks right she like has really, um, inspired and r- reminded me that like, I know I'm talking to black folks and you the yarn missions following is not mostly black folks. Right. Um, especially because like, I mean, it, it was an obvious thing that, uh, we needed to counter right away is that people, regardless of our alignment, wanted to place us in the safe category of caring for people. Right. And so like, they still are like, oh, well, you know, you do this kind of protest or like your activism is this. And it's like, hmm, like, did I not tell you that we met in the streets? Did I not tell you that, like, I was already about no cops, no jails, oh like, then, right? Um, but they put us in the, they still kept trying to put us in this category and they um, continue to. And they, you know, we're very critical about like what spaces we appear in and speak yeah. in, yeah. right? And then I already knew like who I tend to talk to, like who my folks are, who I view my audience as. And like I just like I'm just kind of like the rest of y'all are here, but you're not in my space. You're not you're not framing this space for me. Um, but it, becoming more explicit about it is something that Andrea's really like inspired me about and it's like yeah. super wonderful. So like shout out, represent.
0: Um, and yeah. you uh, put her link in the, her info in the chat. I'll put all of this in the show notes so people can follow and find her too will do um so i think for us
1: a lot of it is just like we already have the language and we already have the alignment to navigate this Mm -hmm. um and so we are really um figuring out the ways that we want to build um and the ways that we want to continue doing what we do the ways that we want to hold space for other black folks and especially black femme folks to come yeah. to when they're, you know, as they're, um, open to it, as they're learning that there are these spaces, there are these possibilities. Um, so, uh, trying to build specific spaces for that, um, having these like explicit conversations about abolition and cooperative economics, but then like we do what we do. Like Taylor is going to drop an amazing and beautifully photographed line of her crop top sweaters which are like beautiful and like but not like knitting standard popular right but no people need these they are beautiful brightly colored wonderfully patterned and she names them after our folks like our ancestors right um like Harriet and such so Tony um and so you know we I feel like these times are hard, and like we know that, like we've been that, so like we are just trying to, we just continue to do the work that we set out to do, and um, we try to continue to be true to ourselves. And I'm constantly the one in for us to be able to like link more people in as they are wanting, because people do. We want community. We want to be together, and we want to be intentional about that. And um, that's what I'm about.
0: That's wonderful. Excellent. Sarah, how about you? What are you all
2: doing right now? Right now we're working on building an SJSA summer youth incubator program that's going to have kids maybe age 16 to like 25 and be able to mentor them with seed grants, funding, and industry expertise to help their own businesses thrive. So that's going to be our summer goal. We're going to be able to, um, you know, have some perhaps C and T, perhaps like just you know just connect them with like industry experts, not only like in terms of navigating the spaces, but if, you know we have some young kids of color that want to make a screen printing business or soap or I mean whatever they want to do. And it's like okay, as we read the applications, we'll start pairing up like what kind of mentors do you want for these programs based on what you know kids' interests are, but but really giving them the seed grant money to get off the ground. Um, Letting them know there are industry people who believe in you, and although you might not intentionally have this network, you know, due to, you know, perhaps lack of access, we're going to make sure that, you know, we can connect with some people who are doing similar or like-minded work and can help navigate you, whether that's graphic design, video design, website editing, logo making, vision, mission, et cetera, statements. That's going to be our summer program. And then our two other big projects that we're focused on that are also pretty youth-driven is the SJSA Remembrance Project and then Quote Remembrance. So the Remembrance Project is when you sign up and kind of like similar to the AIDS quilt. It's like a BLM version of the AIDS quilt. It's going to be a national, huge covering of just be, instead of having quilts, it's banners, um, and really just remember how many people have to be murdered before we end this. In terms of systemic, in term, I mean, and it's not just police brutality. It's neighbors killing each other. It's black on black crime. It's all encompassing of just all these lives have been lost, and really. The lack of justice that have come to the cases. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's that project, and then the second part of that project is making quilts for the actual family. Um, in the quilting world, you know, as you commented on Latifah's post, like the quilting world steps up for veterans. They step up for the pulse massacre. They step up for people whose houses get burned down. When does the quilting world ever stepped up for Black families? Um, you know, with with white supremacy taking their kids and racial profiling taking their kids and stereotype threat and all sorts of things, from Tamir Rice being twelve to you know Trayvon being seventeen, like, there's there's systems and it's not about people and it's not necessarily you know a one time thing. It's a it's a constant genocide. Mm-hmm. So the quilt remembrance project is really to give the entire family a quote for them to use.
0: I wanted to ask you all a question about what advice you might give to. Uh, black women who are who find themselves in the position that I was in um, um, so, you know, two years ago, a little more than two years ago. Um, I was able to kind of take some of the heartbreak that I had, as well as some of the like excitement about it, you know, about trying to build something new. What kind of advice would you give? There's this, you know, you've been knitting or sewing or quilting with this group. These horrible things have happened all around the world, and not only will your guild not make a BLM statement. Your guild thinks that um, there's too much energy given to the politics, and this is a this is a politics-free zone. Or there's people in your guild, or in your in your white folks in your community who are saying things like, "I'm sick of this. I'm sick of hearing these statements from companies. I'm sick of having to think about it. I'm sick of blah blah blah." And so they're dealing with a lot of you know, there's a lot of newly shocked black people out there. They are, they are, they are newly shocked. We are not shocked because we've already been shocked. We already know, but there's a lot of folks for whom this is new. What kind of advice would you give to these sisters who are out there just trying to like, what do I do next? How do I move forward? How do I proceed, um, with my creativity, um, in spaces and environments that are, that are hostile?
2: I, w- I would say the number one thing is the day, like, you'll feel so liberated the day you stop waiting for white acceptance. And it's like, I mean, like, right now, especially with social media, I'd say if you want some more community, you can find it virtually. There's Black Women Stitch, you can come to SJSA, we have Latifa we have Ebony, we have Black Makers Matter. I mean, like, intentionally, you can, like, you know, lose the stop waiting for the acceptance or the, the genuine, you know, bringing in of a guild that, you know, might be racially hostile. Um, and really just find it online. You can find it in other spaces. You can Zoom. You can reach out. And I think, um, especially on social media nowadays, you can intentionally build a new community that is going to welcome, you know, all aspects of your identity. Um, but I really think, you know, stop stop waiting on people who might not necessarily accept all of you to accept any of you. Mm-hmm.
0: Good. Yeah, Kiana, what do you think? And I know that Yarn Mission is similar. Like, you know, this is a project where Black is about Black liberation. You know, you can go there and you're going to be okay.
1: Yeah, and we. um... You know, on Facebook, there's the Black Fiber Society, which I don't, I need, I really want to pour love and attention into and get into a capacity to do that. Um, yet people can come and join. It is for Black folks um, uh, interested in fiber, working in fiber, aspiring to love fiber. Like it's, you know, like come to. Um, I think that like, you get to figure out your personal alignment because as directly affected folks, we don't need, you don't have to do anything. Like I want you to survive. I want you to thrive, but I, you know, I'm going to, um, I don't, I don't want us to harm any any other directly affected and marginalized people yet. I want us to know that, uh, we deserve grace. Like this is, we, there's no wrong move for us. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, some of us are going to like be more focused on the navigating than the building and doing and such. And some of us are going to like, some of us are aligned in a way that we are going to um, really be pushing other folks, like folks that are not invested in us. And maybe that's your lane in this work. That is not the lane that I am in Um, for all of us. I think mean that it is useful to ground ourselves in community and in each other. And so, um, find your folks, like find your true folks, find your true folks where you can come with your whole self and where like your loudness can be appreciated. Right. Yeah. Like my personal alignment is be loud, but it means that like those closest to me are going to hear me the most. And like, I am not trying to like, I'm not going to, um, like I don't really reach out and be trying to pull people to do different. I find folks where I want to be and I build with folks, right? Like that's just my personal alignment. Yeah. Um, And so like, I'm not trying to convert racists. Uh, I'm trying to build with black folks and, um, So I, I just, uh, I think that there's space for all of those moves and I think that it all really matters and being grounded together. And so like, I really appreciate the conversations about like communal self-care and, um, that's something that I think you can get from Andrea, I'm going to drop her site, um, but also Adrienne Marie Brown. Yes, I know her. I met her. at the is that reminds me that like, I firmly, like we move among legends, like y'all mean so much to me and are doing such amazing things like legendary work. And like, I am constantly inspired and just like so full, of the beautiful things that are happening amongst us. Right. And so like, I constantly always, like, I frequently want to name that. Um, also, uh, While we're shouting out legends, shout out to Million Artist Movement who do power tree quilts um, for black liberation. And it is more like patchwork, but it is going in community and letting folks dream liberation into these little squares that they normally will like um, color on but they can like cut things and other people will sew it for them if they do not feel like, you know, that is the work that they are qualified for. And then they put them together and they bring them to events and there have been some made for families and stuff. I I think I still got a quilt, a family got quilts and stuff, but, um, so like ground yourself in that, like, there are so many amazing, um, folks doing amazing work, building amazing spaces. And I think that it's really important to cultivate your space so that you see that, um, like i don't sit and be looking at people like i cultivate my space like y'all can be all you want about oh i, I don't want to be in a tunnel i want to absolutely be in my black library tunnel like focus on my folks and like because there's work to be done
0: yes um and so uh I think being oh. deliberate and intentional is oh, so yeah. helpful. Being super deliberate about being, it like being deliberate oh, be, and be, intentional be and is something that's going to be useful to cultivate um, boundaries of the project
1: right i was gonna say though like um ministry angela Davis just
0: yes what happened? i think I'm, i think y'all are frozen am i frozen who's frozen oh, this could be me I think I will
1: and figure out what you want to do. Okay. Well,
2: you, you
0: froze for a minute. Thank you. My... Thank you. Both of you all froze for me. This is this is me. It says my internet connection is unstable. So that's my bad. Right. But I could I, I could hear you. I can hear you. Um <laughs> about the NAT ministry. Love the NAT ministry. Love the Nat Ministry and Angela Davis. Of course, the Angela Davis, Nikki Giovanni that were on Girl Trek, Girl Trek. Yes! It's really a great, so we have a lot of, a lot of examples out there. And I think that something that I I learned from both of you that I'd love to leave on is this um, quote from, I'm not going to remember the name of the writer who said this. I think, I think it was a poet, um, but it's, and I think it's a black woman. And I think it's, the quote is, you have to get up from the table when love is no longer being served you know get up from the table when love is no longer being served and that is such i think and, and and there's a way that we can build our own table you can navigate that however you choose um but it's also but you don't have to you don't have to you know there's there's you don't have to stay um not not you know maybe in for that's my thing like for work i make a lot of sacrifices my job is to teach things to write as a university professor. That is my job. I get paid for this. I get, you know, I get, um, you know, support for this. I have, they give me computers and classrooms and books and, you know, and money. They still giving you you books because
1: I gotta go through all these hoops. You know, I teach too.
0: Yes, well, that's copies desk copies but
1: like now it's like all digital and it's oh, other thing but
0: know, that's a that's a different I know it's a different issue that don't they'll get me started about what the fall plan is going to look like for teaching but when it comes to black women's stitch when it comes to sewing it felt to me like this was too precious I love it I and you can tell by all the stuff I got in my house right like I love it and I don't want to spend this time doing what i would do for my work like i don't want to i i don't want to and i won't you know and so it's just become so important to me to practice that you know to practice creating a space and something that I've, something that i've learned and i think this is true for you all as well that when you build something that you need other people it turns out need it too right I often joke that, you know, I
1: started the yarn mission, so I have more Black folks to knit with. Like, I wanted my own folks to d- knit with, and it is absolutely
0: amazing. Um, That's exactly why I started Black Women Stitch, the same reason.
1: I often think, I'm not, I don't want to argue with folks about my existence, about any part of myself, about my experiences and reality. Like, I'm not going to do that in my personal space. I don't do it in my classroom. Like, (laughs) so I'm not going to do it for free with y'all on the internet. I'm not going to do it, um, for free in these spaces. Like I'm going to be loud about where I am and y'all can select around like how you want to move through these. That's right.
0: That's right. That's right. It's so true. It is absolutely true. Well, I'm hoping that y'all, this will be our first conversation, but not our last conversation. I'd love to have y'all on individually as you start to move through projects. If there's ever anything you want to come back and we can have another conversation about, I'm happy to do that to promote y'all because I do indeed consider you all guiding lights for the black women's stitch project. And I am immensely grateful to you for being with me today. I absolutely am. I just feel like, um, I have learned so much from you. It was so meaningful to know that you existed, you know, wow. knowing that you existed meant that I could exist, I, that that's, and that, you know, it helped me to get there. So thank you very much. You both for being possibility models. I absolutely am grateful for that. Um, and i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you all to shout out where we, we can find you on social media so people can follow you um where can they find you sarah at s j s academy
2: on instagram and twitter
0: okay how about you Kiana we're the yarn mission
1: across um i don't tweet but i find it to be very dramatic um and our instagram we've been using it lately to really um shout out our pro-blackness, um, and, uh, having those conversations around that too. And I did some abolition stuff and I'm going to do some cooperative economic stuff. And then we have a Facebook page, which I actually can't access. So like, that's kind of like, in a uncomfortable spot right now (laughs) but um, there's uh the yarn mission group which is open to folks um who are ready and aligned with anti-oppression across um racial ethnic um gender all of that and then the black fiber society which is specifically for black folks
0: (laughs) thank you all so much y'all are amazing Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Stitch Please podcast, the official podcast of Black Women's Stitch, the sewing group where Black lives matter. There are a variety of ways that you can support the program, and you're doing it right now by listening to the pro- by listening to the podcast. It does help us grow. Another way to do that is to rate the podcast, review it, subscribe to it. All of these things are ways that you can support the podcast without having to spend any money at all. If you would like to spend some money to support us, there are ways to do that as well. You can make direct donations to our Patreon site for monthly contributions, as well as one-time contributions to PayPal, Cash App, or Venmo. And finally we have another cute, very adorable way for you to support the Black Women's Stitch Project. It's a pin, a P-I-N, enamel lapel pin that's very cute. It's about two inches wide and one and a half inch tall, and it's of the Black Women's Stitch logo. And that is $15 with free shipping to the U.S. And so if you drop $15 in the uh, PayPal, Venmo, or Cash App accounts, and then send me your email, no, not email, if you send me your mailing address to my email either at blackwomenstitch at gmail.com or you send me a direct message on the Black Women Stitch Instagram page. We will put the pin in the mail to you. Um, again, free shipping, $15 for the pin, and all of this goes to support the Black Women Stitch Project. Thank you again for joining us this week. Come back next week and we will help you get your stitch together.